Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi everybody, welcome to the Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about Hound of Shadow. Oh, scary. But before we do, we got a lot of feedback from last week. Oh boy. Um... From all sides. So we got feedback from our friend Rob O'Hara. Flack. And Flack. And he says, uh, he just listened to the Three Stooges episode. Oh, good. And he said on a scale of 1 to 10, he'd probably rate himself as an 8 uh, uh, for a Sto- as a Stooges fan. So is he going to take me to task here? Well, he says, I've seen every short and movie multiple times. I own several Three Stooges books. I'm a paying member of the fan club right. and have even visited the official Stoogeum. Oh, I like to go there. Do you know where it is? I don't. I read about it, but it was a couple weeks ago. Ambler, PA. Ambler? Mm-hmm. Where's that? No idea. That's not too far, though, is it? It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, uh, Pennsylvania's yeah. too far. We could stooge on up there yeah. sometime. And he says, for what it's worth, I aced the trivia quiz you gave on the show. Well, yeah. Um, he says, I love the old Three Stooges game, and my review is similar to Aaron's. It's certainly flawed and tough to defend, but I still enjoy it. The Amiga version's better than the C64 version. Uh, the C64 has re- even longer loading times. So, and he says that you'll you'll appreciate this. The false intro with the Fender of the Crown was specifically scary for rotten pirates like me who spent hours downloading the game with a dial-up modem, or horrified <laughs> that we might have been duped into downloading the wrong game. That and that happened sometimes <laughs> back in the day. I oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that for a while. Yeah, I could see where that would make you upset. Yeah. He said, one minor correction for the show. Yeah. I believe I heard Aaron say this was the first and only licensed Three Stooges game, but it's not the case. On the, uh, for, no, I said it was the first Cinemaware licensed game. Oh, okay. So are you Because there was aware? an arcade game for the Three okay. Stooges. So you might have thought that in your mind and just not said it on the show, because he said that you didn't say that on the show. It's possible. But I did know Do that. you know who released it? You know, I don't. Milestar. Yeah, I didn't ever guess that. Yeah. You know, Milestar, didn't they do one of the, they did, uh, one of the latest disc games, too? Didn't they mock three or something like that? I don't know. I think they did. Okay. Uh, but he said you can play it along with the pinball machine at the Stoogeum, which is at arcade-museum.com. There's a three Stooges pinball machine? Yeah. Apparently When so. did that come out? I must Black, play it. Give us some more information yes. about that. Um, By the way, just... FYI, just right off the, I just re-listened to Flack's uh, podcast on Coffee Fest. That's a great, that's a great one. I used to go to Coffee Fest all the time. What uh, is a Coffee Fest? Did you, have you not heard that particular podcast? Well, some of this our is, listeners might not. This is uh, this is pertinent to the to the show to a certain degree. Um, Coffee Fest were when you would get together with a bunch of people and you would copy software. Highly illegal. Again, the gray area. Well, I don't know what they. <laughs> so, I distinctly remember the bigger coffee fest we went to uh, were at the Huntington Mall in the Long John Silver's. Really? Which is now where the Chick Fil A. No, it's no. where the uh, Ruby Tuesdays where the Ruby is. Ruby Tuesdays is. Uh, we would go in, and the entire right side, everything on the right of the counter. That was Pirate Zone. Wow. And we would go in there. And, it's, and Now, did they pick Long John Silver's on purpose because of the whole manager, piracy thing? The manager wanted some action, okay. as I recall. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't that clever. And so and so we would go in there. and I mean, That's not the only coffee fest I went to, but it's a lot like Rob said uh, in, in his uh, podcast. You would, get your, you would get your machine. You'd roll in there. Now, at the time that I was going to those, I had a, a PC. That we would do it now. When it came to copy copying stuff on the Amiga, I really only got together with a couple guys, and they're never more than one guy at a time. So that was strictly a a PC thing. We get together with all your buddies, whoever got the hot new games would now, come in and so swap each all your person stuff. you're talking about. Each person would come in to the Long John Silver's with a PC and a monitor. Yeah, absolutely, and so, absolutely. No, no. Where laptops. did you plug all these things into? 
power power strips. Just power strips upon power strips. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. You know, and, and uh, uh, my buddy would arrange it, uh, and then, I mean, and I went with him to other little coffee outings. We went. I remember one time we we took a trip to the beach, me and him, and. He brought his computer and all of his discs, and we went down there and met a guy at his house and had a little mini copy fest. And the whole time we were copying software, this guy was just killing my buddies, verbally destroying him. And my buddy just took it, and he just kept his head down. He just kept those discs working, man. He wanted them. And in the, the most brutal copy fest, I went to this guy's house, and I, all I wanted... He it told, sounds like the name of it. The most brutal copy fest. <laughs> the, the, the guy had a... Uh, I, and this is going to sound so ludicrous, but I, he had a game. There was a game out for the uh, PC called uh, X-Wing. Right? You ever heard of X-Wing? X-Wing, yeah. It's a, like, it was like a simulator. Right. And so... Arcade simulation. This guy had told me, he's like, listen, he goes, I've got the AGA version of X-Wing. And that's going to sound stupid now. But at the time... You thought it existed. We were all on the BBS. Mm -hmm. There was no Mac. No one covered the Amiga. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. You know, I want this game. So I went over and I copied and copied and copied stuff for this guy. I was like, when are you going to break this out? And he goes, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then he finished copying the last thing he wanted. And he's like, man, he's like, sorry, I got to go. And he took and literally shoved me out the door and locked the door. He, he tricked me. Mm. He tricked me. And the sad thing is, I wasn't like eight. I was like, in, I was out of high school, folks. That's a sad thing. That's, a, that's pretty bad. Isn't yeah, it? that is yeah, pretty, pretty bad. But copy fest so, was fun. I mean, you know, I always but think illegal. about you copied all these games. What percentage of the games that you copied did you actually spend any time with? Oh. 10, 10%. Because I know, like, with, my, with emulation, I'll spend hours and hours and hours tweaking hyperspin, looking at my list, stuff like that. And I've probably played, yeah, like you said, a tenth of that actually playing the game. It's funny, I, I'm, I'm gonna next next show probably I'm gonna bring my disc caddy over it with all my original games in mm -hmm. it. I thought it'd be fun to look oh, yeah, through. Yeah. And I was looking at them before I came over tonight. And I mean, you're talking I I saw a hundred bot games. I mean, these are games that were paid for, legitimate copies of games. And I've probably played probably a, a, a tenth of them or mm -hmm. even less. You know, a lot of them are big, like police quests or that sort of things, and they're they're huge. You know, and I just never never played them that much. You know, and most of what I played was simple stuff. But when you're at a copy fest, man, you got to get every last game. You know, you got <laughs> to go to worse. And, yeah. and I have a feeling now. Again, dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy pirate Aaron. I was a bad boy. Don't do that. But. I would wager that the the copy fest is a universal thing. I bet the listeners in Norway, Germany, Sweden, the UK, everyone probably did it, and they had their own little stories. I'd love to hear them. I did it. Speaking of that, or not really, but <laughs> transition. God. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard from Sven. Oh. Sven sent me a message. Holy smokes. I thought that he hated us and he wanted us to die. But it turns out that our email just kept getting sent to his spam folder. Oh, no. So, um, but he said that, that things are things are still, he says, real hectic at CinemaWare right now. I bet. They're still hoping to ship the Defender of the Crown Definitive Collector's Edition soon. Now, I got an, I saw an email that someone put up where he said they were, that he had everything. It was, it, it's just a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. where he said, I, I think I even, I may have posted it, I'm not sure, but he was like, we've got everything we need. They were not, you know, they were a, a, about a month ago, I posted one where he's like, we're waiting on one thing. I can't remember, it was like, uh, oh, it was something so you didn't think about. It was like stickers for the front or seals for the right. box mm -hmm. or some weird thing. Mm -hmm. But I saw something where he said he had everything. Oh, yeah. And so uh, the last time I checked, they had, what, a hundred and... 51 left or something like that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know it's been brutal on them. And they also announced that they're doing, um, was it Rocket Ranger? They are, they've already announced their next release okay. uh, that they're doing. I'll get back to you guys on this. I'll have to go back and re-examine re the email, but I think the end is near. You know, and I believe, did we, didn't we talk about a couple months ago that the purchase of CinemaWare by that virtual reality outfit didn't include this hit spins right it didn't include thing. the retro right. cinema warrior division so hopefully mm -hmm. oh i know what it was i think it's the release of the uh 
uh, port of Rocket Ranger for the Genesis. I think that's oh, the one they were working okay, on. Okay. I'll get back to you guys on that. But yeah, it's good to hear from Spin. Uh, you know, I hope they get it together. Yeah, right. I mean, I know it's. I think this has been a huge task for him mm-hmm. to try to get together, and I'm guessing he didn't have a whole lot of help. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's feeling the pressure. So, Sven, we want to have you again on the show real soon. Yeah, just uh, let us know. We'll yeah, good luck, man. Um, let's see. Gary <laughs> Hucker wrote in, and he said, "I thought you may be interested in these auction listings from auctions. Uh, this auction site here in New Zealand, um, and." Uh, unfortunately, he forgot to include the links to the auctions that he wants us to look we at. We couldn't bid on them anyway, can we? No, but it'll be interesting to see what they go for. What do they know? use for money in New Zealand? So he, he also told me that. He said that they use, um, let me go to the phone here. I just uh, threw you right off there, didn't I? Well, no, I just remember he actually did tell me what they use for money. Um, I'm going to guess Merkel's. Merkels, like Angela Merkels, Perkles, Perkles. Okay, uh, there's like they're actually New Zealand dollars. No, so one New Zealand dollar is equal to seventy three cents. Okay, so kind of like Australia, where our dollar is stronger than theirs. Um, and or I'm current sure, day Canada. Yeah, or current day Canada. True. So um, that's that. So Gary, uh, next week we'll take a look at those auctions and uh, we'll give everybody an update on what stuff went for. Um, Eric Nelson on Twitter. Uh, he was inspired by us talking about the the Raspberry Pi Amiga uh, Flash thing. You know, with the SD card, it flashes the firmware, and the Raspberry Pi turns. Yeah, into yeah, Amiga. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, he said he's been tinkering with it, and uh, and so well, well, he actually fiddled with yeah, it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, he's, and uh, so hopefully next week we'll be able to have an update with how Eric did with that. Um, it and, seems awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we'll talk about that in a minute. Go ahead. And uh, and finally, legendary Whizball. On Twitter, that's uh-huh. his name. Boy, but he don't like us too much. Oh no, he loves us. He really? Says, after what? Did he see us play Wizball? Well, I think he might have missed that episode. Good move. It never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but he says we're like the Dukes of Hazard crossed with the IT crowd. Have, you, have you seen the IT crowd? I get to be Moss. Oh, look at you! I, I love that show. Yeah, and I used to like the Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid. I've not seen the Dukes of Hazard in a long time. I don't and know I still like Daisy. She holds up quite nicely. Does she? She's got to be like 90. Well, I mean, on the show. Oh, well, she yeah. She still looks good. And her shorts are quite nice. The Daisy Dukes. You know, you're more like, I'd say, I'm more like Bo, and you're more like Koi. I'm more or like maybe Moss. maybe Vance. I'm more like Moss. No. Keep, 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 keep telling yourself that, pal. <laughs> is that something I should aspire to be? Well, I'm just saying, how, what is your technical prowess? It's pretty good, but it's not. Thanks a lot, man. It's that, not, that means you know, a lot to I'm me. I'm just saying. All right, let's move on. Uh, news, what do you got this week? Um, oh, well, the first thing I can tell you about is a, there's sort of a, you know, there, there was a lack of news this week. Well, I had a, I was sitting here trying to think of anything really important. Eh, it's okay this week. There's nothing major going on. There's a, a new game that's out. It's actually not the least bit new. I guess it was in, uh, it was just held somewhere for a long time. It's called uh, Reboldix. Uh, it's uh, a boulder dash sort of thing. Uh, I haven't, I've seen some shots, haven't played it, but it's available for everyone now. I guess for the longest time, only the demo was out. I mean, for like when I say the longest time, even like decades. Mm-hmm. The How de- do you spell that? <laughs> oh, you're killing me here. Uh, it's a uh, R O B O U L D I X. Reboldix. Mm, right now, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's you know again boulder dashy mm-hmm. type type of deal. Um, the uh, I was talking to Boat in the pre-show, and he poo-pooed me until we got on here, so I'll get talking now. The uh, you know I've been I've been uh, living the Amiga this week. I've been just all up all up in it, playing it, fooling with it, waiting. You know, doing a lot of read on the Vampire uh, too to see it just kind of get fired up about it. And I you know it's funny I talked about this last week. I never really paid attention to how much it cost. You know. Yeah, and I was curious about that too. How much does a Vampire go for? And from what I could find, uh, the the uh, the one I found listed for the five hundred or for the six hundred was ninety nine euros. Really? Which that's what about one hundred and sixty like bucks. Less like that. than that. The euro the euro is only about a buck twenty right now. Oh, so, so it, yeah. that's a pretty good that's a pretty good return yeah. for us. Now your mileage may vary. I don't know what bells and whistles. Like I said, the the sales of this thing are. I mean, I guess it was current, but I have no way of knowing. I was also looking at uh, the progress that had been made on the uh, the 500 and the 2000 and 1200 version, or the 12,000 if you were me last week. <laughs> um, 
and it's funny listen the author the guy that's putting these together i uh, was reading on his blog and he has this big uh he has this big write-up on how he's had trouble getting up uh, uh certain connectors for the 1200 version uh because they're they don't make them anymore and the, the connections are real expensive to buy now because there's a there's basically there, there's a pile of them that someone owns and they're not selling them cheap and uh he was you know he's working looking for a workaround he didn't seem too concerned about it but you don't really think about that kind of stuff when you're the end user but right. as we know from just looking for that power adapter uh connector it can be a real bear to find those or not impossible to find them so uh, uh that was kind of interesting uh, interesting read uh it's neat to follow the uh you know production of this stuff i've seen little they had little pictures of of the uh various cards in various states so it, it's it's pretty slick. Do do they seem like they're nearing completion with these? With well, the... they said they said they have something for the twelve hundred within the year. That doesn't mean they're gonna have it ready for sale. I'm guessing that the uh, it doesn't seem like the five or two thousand ones are too far off. Hmm. Uh, you know, something while I'm thinking about it, a, a fellow I don't have his name right off the top. I can't remember who it was. He uh, sent me. I think it was on YouTube. Was under on our podcast to ask me, uh, or he mentioned to me that because last week I talked about how excited I was that the twelve hundred was getting one of these. He was like, "Listen, you know, do you get what this thing is? It's a, it's a process that basically it's the computer. It's the, you know, effectively it renders the Amiga as a dumb terminal. Mm -hmm. You know, I pondered that quite a bit this week because he's got a valid point. Oh yeah, <clears throat> uh, and we had I remember, gosh, it was probably the second or third show we talked about." At what point does it, is there no longer an Amiga? We've brought it up a couple other times. You know, I can I think I can live with it. I've decided uh, the functionality of the machine is still there. Mm -hmm. The aesthetics are still there. Uh, it still can be used exactly the way it was. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that making it uh, non a non permanent change. You know, if you want to go back to just using your normal Amiga, you just unplug the card. You know, I, it's funny. I was listening to Rob's new uh episode of you don't know flack and he was talking about his uh, apple II blew up and everyone has told him and the power supply went out on it, and he said everyone's you know there's always this debate whether you keep original hardware or not and of course we had the same problem and we chose we really didn't have a whole lot of choice for because we're we don't have the money to pour into it. we went ahead and you know bought the uh bought the little gimmick from poland that worked i mean at some point i think you gotta draw the line mm -hmm. you know this stuff this stuff's getting old. I mean, it's not gonna be around forever. Parts aren't gonna be around forever. Yeah. I know people that with the the model of Atari that I have, the twelve hundred XL. It's the rarest Atari eight bit model, and people are afraid to actually just like with the cart that I have, the the uh, the, the multi cart. They don't like it because you have to cold restart the machine every time, and they don't want to cycle that power off and on like that. I could blowing it up. You know, I'm the same way with the CD with the CD thirty two. I'm mm -hmm. so worried yeah. that that mechanism is going to go out. I'm yeah. afraid to to mess with it a mm -hmm. whole lot. You know, that's why I, I never use it, and I, and it makes me feel bad because I paid all this money for this thing, and then it just sits there. You know, now the twelve hundred I feel a little more comfortable with because there's really nothing moving in it like there is in the right. You know, and I don't, but I've got I don't use my external floppies. I don't use my floppy for anything hardly. Mm -hmm. Any of that stuff can go bad, and then you got a problem. It sucks. I mean, I've got a Saturn. I just saw this new gimmick that lets you uh, use boots on the Saturn without having to do a swap trick. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, you know. The, the 3DO, any of these CD-based systems, they've got a they're finite, mm -hmm. you know, item. One little, this is not Amiga news, but just I'm going to bring it up because I know you've got one. <clears throat> I saw someone they finally released the 7800 multi-card. Um, people that have Amigas, we're very lucky. <laughs> Compared to the people that have the 7800, this multi cart's a bear, man. It has you have to manually flip jumpers on it to get it oh to work. Oh my wood. gosh, wow! It's it's brutal. It's about this. It's taller than a cartridge. It sits about that tall in the socket. I wonder why. <laughs> Bank switching, memory, yeah. huh. memory How stuff. Yeah, it's I caught I had a look at it before I, before we went live. It's something. Yeah. So. I don't know how big the 7800 was overseas, but I'm guessing just about as big as it was here. Yeah, not a big hit <laughs> at all. That's interesting. Uh, I think there's a 5200 multi-cart too. Really? Yeah. Um, I'll take the computer. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> 5200 is probably the most useless Atari system because everything worth playing, with the exception of maybe one or two games, was on the 8-bit. 
your lines. Yeah, yeah. And the 7800, well, I mean, they've got Food Fight. That's probably the only thing. They got Matt Mania. That's true. That's true. But did Matt Mania, Matt Mania was on other stuff, right? Only on the 7800. Okay. So there's two games right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it hurts, stinks. Yeah. I don't have it. It's expensive. Mm. You know, for all your 7800 needs, you're screwed. I don't think there's anything out there. <laughs> and we're not going down that road, I can tell you that. No, yeah. It ain't worth it. No. Um, so, uh, side updates this week. Uh, Dreamcatcher at it at it always. Uh, he posted probably what's a twenty thousand word review on the game called Liquid Kids. Yeah, that one got right past me, and I'm gonna go back and read it because I his reviews are always ridiculously in depth. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, he also wrote uh, just today an article about what became of New Star Electronics and just talking about all the craziness that ensued when Amiga or when Commodore went under and all the people that were vying to buy the rights of the name and the hardware and all that stuff. That's a good article. I read that one. Um, if you've been around for a long time, I, this would have been particularly brutal for people that were into the Amiga from Jump Street. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were a latecomer like me, it seems like I was in it for just a couple of years before the, the ship sank. And only way you could follow this was via magazines you know i guess back in those days you could have been on like one of the uh usenet groups or you know one of the you know one of the news groups yeah but, but i mean the only way i could follow it at the time was on irc or something i mean I, I, there was i'm telling you what exactly there wasn't a whole lot going on back then i mean you know you're basically magazines is basically the way and, and every time i pick up a magazine it'd be like you know Here's what happened with Amiga this month. Here's what happened next month. Oh, they went bankrupt. You know, blah blah blah. This art, this the thing Dreamcatcher wrote. It's a just a you know another drop in the ocean of, of pathetic failures and screw ups that sank the thing. I'll tell you something though, because I read this article. I want to get a little wishy washy and mushy. And I remember how depressing it was when Amiga went down. But I'm telling you, it's the new golden age, man. The hardware's coming back. Uh, there's a lot of nice stuff coming in the pipeline. This the the uh, they're updating everything. They're updating Workbench. They've made everything streamlined, it, and it, I think a whole new uh, a whole new round of updates will be coming after this. This is probably, I'd say without a doubt, it's the most exciting time and the most uplifting time that Amiga users have had since probably you know '91. Mm -hmm. When you say somewhere yeah. in that ballpark, so it's. It's great. It's fun. Yeah, you know, we just got lucky and just had to kind of dumb guy stumble in. Right I feel at the right like time. the first, the first golden age post Amiga going away was when the machines like the Amiga One came out and all oh, that stuff oh, that Sean right. Courtney was talking about. Yeah, with, uh, you know, but all that stuff was just so expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it didn't have the full spirit of what the Amiga no. was. You know, this reminds me of the long hiatus between the doctors. Yeah. Sylvester McCoy went down before they brought the series back. Or between Cocoon 1 and Cocoon 2. Is this with Wilbur, uh, with Brimley again? It's with Brimley again. No. I'm bringing I, it back. Did you ever see either one of those? No, I've okay. never seen Cocoon. That's what I figured. So, no, no good. Oh, it's a shame. Um, let's talk about H.P. Lovecraft. All right. H.P. Lovecraft, my boy. So, um... What? Just take it away. H.P. <laughs> Lovecraft, yeah, what a guy. start talking. Well. There's nothing on that paper yet. Yeah, I see that. Um, I just want you to tell me about H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft was a writer. He, uh, he was doing his thing in the early days of, uh, you know, the 1900s there. He uh, kind of got his foothold... Uh, writing for those, in fact, we just sort of talked about this with your book. He was writing for these old, like, pulp fiction magazines, science fiction stuff. I believe the one he really made his mark in was called uh, Weird Stories, I believe was the name of it. And he published an article, and he published several. He published one called The Call of Cthulhu, which is his most famous work. Um, he came from a kind of a weird background. His father had a, a debilitating disorder that made him go insane to the point that he had to be interred in, in yeah, he had to be he had to go to an insane asylum and so hp was a real kind of introverted uh strange cat 
he was so uh, he, he made graduated from high school and he was so nervous and upset that he couldn't even go to his own graduation. Wow. <clears throat> he used to um, he used to work nights all night, sleep all day. That was his mo. That's the way he did things. Um, he's known for his uh, Cthulhu Mythos, which is a uh, it's not really a, a it's a it's a loose universe of books that sort of all fall in the same sort of um, under this umbrella of what he called the ancient ones and the and the, the great old ones, these uh, these uh, cosmic gods that kind of permeate his uh, books. He was very much into uh, astronomy, and the uh, this played into a lot of his books. Um, if you've ever read, like I think it was called A Color Out of Space, uh, was a and and he's done some other ones that a lot of his things come from the stars, and these are beings that are so incredible and so unbelievable that a human cannot process their existence. This is a, a, a theme that continues through a lot of his books <clears throat> and short stories. Um, everyone's got their favorite stuff from Lovecraft. Um, me personally, uh, I think I, my favorite book is probably, oh boy, the, it's tough. My story, my favorite stories from are sort of like The Tomb. If you've, have you read any H.P. Oh yeah, yeah, I've read several. Uh, the Tomb is probably my favorite. Was That's pretty good. Um, That's one of his early ones. Dutch Horror, of course, is, mm -hmm. is tremendous. Call Cthulhu is good. Um, What's the one where the guy, uh, his brain is talking at the end? It's in a jar or something like that. Uh, I know the. I know that's that's the that's the story that Reanimator is based on, isn't it? I think so. He's hanging out. He goes to this farmhouse <laughs> somewhere, and like there's these gunshots at night and stuff like that, and something happens. But at the end of it. Um, like he, the guy has been able to leave his body and transfer his existence into like this. It's either a brain or something like a machine, you know. And uh, if you, a lot of his work has been translated into the small screen. Uh, the one that comes to mind is there's an if you, if anyone out there has watched a show called the Rod Serling's Night Gallery, there's an excellent episode in there that's that's straight up H.P. Lovecraft. I think it's called Cool Air. I believe that's the name of it. Um, his stuff, he's had stuff that was made into movies. They did um, they did a movie that's kind of loosely based on some of his works called The Necronomicon. It starred Jeffrey Combs uh, as a... I thought that was a... Isn't there a novel called The Necronomicon? No, I'm thinking... The that. Necronomicon is a, is, a, is, a, is a book. There is a book called that, but it's, mm -hmm. it's crap. Okay. <laughs> the uh, the Necronomicon was a book dreamed up by Lovecraft and used in some of his stories. Uh, I believe it was authored by the mad Arab Abdul Alcazar. Okay, I believe this guy that 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 made it. Uh, but it's H.P. Lovecraft's uh, characters often reference and or use these books that you shouldn't read; it'll drive you mad. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of his stuff centers around madness. Uh, or the impossibility of things, and he's uh, he's been featured a lot in, like I said, cinema uh, with movies coming, and then there's been some lower level movies, uh, and then he's been a lot of audio stuff, old radio shows, mm -hmm. but he's also been heavily featured in games. Mm -hmm. um, now I thought just for fun, since we're doing sort of an H.P. Lovecrafty game, we could talk about a couple of his other ones. Um, have you played Alone in the Dark? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. Alone in the Dark. Sadly, didn't come to the Amiga, unfortunately. It was an early CD title, right? On 3DO, things like that? Um, I played it on the PC uh, myself. Uh, it uh, Seems to me I'm thinking about the seventh guest. That was, yeah. and that had nothing. That, okay. was, <laughs> that was the seventh <laughs> guest. Oh, boy, folks. Um Seventh Guest was really a more of a CD show off how to do okay. it stuff. Um, Not based on a Lovecraft novel. No. Um, Alone in the Dark was like one of the first forays into a uh, three dimensional mist sort of thing. No, it was more like trying to think what it was sort of like a Resident Evil. Okay, survival horror. Yes, it was. 
one of the first ones. Okay. And it had like different camera angles and the whole mm -hmm. nine yards. It was a pretty good game. Um, it didn't come out on the Amiga, but it was a good game. Um, just to go over a couple of these, I'm not going to read a ton. Uh, he had a game, there was a game called Anchorhead. I've not played that one, but I've heard of it. Um, this game here, I would say, is if I'm going to play an HP Lovecraft game, Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth. That's your game. Um, this was a PC uh, and Xbox, original Xbox release. Have you ever heard of this one? No. This is an outstanding game. If you want to get the feel of an H.P. Lovecraft story, uh, the visuals, um, if you don't mind getting in there and having some action, because you're going to have to have some pretty good reflexes, this is the game for you. It's a uh, first-person shooter without a gun. Okay. Basically. I mean, a lot of it, first-person running around, mm -hmm. run like a maniac, you know, be horrified. It's an excellent game. Uh, and that's the one I would recommend. That they had it came out with sort of a sequely one called Call of Cthulhu: The Wasted Land. I'm not seeing that one. Um, the Hound of Shadow, of course, directly taken from it. There's a video game called The Necronomicon. I never saw that particular one. Um, have you heard of? Have you ever played the game? Necronomicon? No, I'm still thinking about that that novel. There was Neil Stevenson. Is that you got me? I know when I used to go to uh, grade school and middle school. The Necronomicon was in our library, and I was always like, oh, <laughs> Necronomicon, because I knew it from uh, Army of Darkness, I think, is where I first heard of it, or actually, it was actually the first one, uh, Evil Dead that, 1. That, is that movie that old? Evil Dead's pretty, I was in high school when it came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay. but I mean, they had it in a middle school library, so I remember that distinctly. I didn't know what it was until I'd seen, I'd heard, I was like, what is this a creepy looking thing? But I mean, it's, someone just took the name and... You know, made something out of it. Um, they had another HP Lovecraft World game. I think these are official lights. One called Prison of uh, Prisoner of Ice. I heard of that one. I heard it was pretty good. Is that for PC? I think that's PC. And another one called Shadow of the Comet. Again, I haven't played that one. I played a little bit of Prison. Some of these are kind of old. It's not as old as what we're playing today, but you know, uh, kind of old. Now, if you want to get real technical, I mean. A lot of stuff borrows from the feelings, you know, H, like we mentioned Resident Evil. You could say that was have pretty influenced by it as well. Mm -hmm. So what these games all have in common that ours isn't is that they have graphics. <laughs> this game is a traditional, well, I'd say almost fully traditional uh, text adventure mm -hmm. with a few still pictures. Would you, that's yeah. pretty much it. That's what it is. I mean, you would not. It's really a shame because there's nothing wrong with text adventures, but the way that this game sells itself, uh, you would not know that it was a text adventure because on the back, there's nothing but pictures. Um, and these are pictures from the game, but there's um, the when you're actually in the game itself. Uh, these pictures pop up every now and again, but they really are incidental to the game. They don't give you any extra information. Um, so it's kind of false advertising on the part of Electronic Arts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I didn't know it was a text game, did you? No, no. I figured it was going to be a point-and-click, missed sort of ordeal. Yeah. Now, I tried to look into this game. It's There's not a ton on it, okay? It was released in 1989, and at two discs. Mm -hmm. Boat's going to show them to you. Um, the, the budget publisher, which is what version we've got here, Star Performer. So that explains that. Mm -hmm. um, the developer of this game was an outfit called Eldridge Games. Mm -hmm. Now Eldridge is a, uh, that's a that's a term that's used in Cthulhu. The you know Eldridge Horror yeah. is uh, formed by Chris Elliott. Of cabin boy fame, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the exact thing I thought. It's funny that most of what I found, I've looked at the same thing you are. Most of what I found about Eldridge was, is written on the inner cover of the, of the manual. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, it the guys that run it are um, Chris Elliott and Richard Edwards. Um, there's not much on them. Yeah, uh, Chris went to. He actually studied and I. Sheffield, but it's the bad Sheffield Polytechnic. 
which is now the University of Sheffield Hallam. It's the bad it's, Sheffield. It's, it's just like West Virginia University and West Virginia State. Oh, so you're killing this university. I'm killing it. I think it's a fine institution. Um, the other fella, uh, uh, Richard Edwards, uh, he went. He went away. North End London Polytechnical. Uh, is that what am I reading that? Yeah, right? Polytechnic. Yeah. Uh, North North End London. North End. It's the North End. Uh, North East. North East. Excuse me. Um, there's not much on him. He's unmarried. I guess both these guys did a little. Uh, um, they did a little RPG action or yeah. something. That's what they, that's what I mean, these guys look like they, they it's it's very interesting because you don't normally get this level of detail about the, the, the people that make the game in the manual yeah. itself. Like it talks about he's unmarried but not opposed to it in principle. Yeah, I mean, good. Like, and let's hope by now he's finding a girl. I hope so. Um, it says here Mike Lewis did, this, did the, most of the programming and he got his computing degree at North Staffs Polytechnic. I guess this means something to somebody. He wrote Red Hawk, which I don't know. I've never heard of that. He wrote the Mystery of Arkham Manor, which I'm not, I don't know what that is either. I've never heard no. of that. So I mean, I'm not sure these are even games. Um, and then uh, Carl Cropley did the graphics. Um, apparently, he did some things here that no one ever saw, <laughs> according to what he's got written in here. Now I had to, I had to look to see what if these guys had done anything. Uh, Eldridge has no more games on the Amiga. They had one more game overall, which I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the art, the coder, uh, Colin McLaughlin, he did. He was involved in Desert Strike: Return of the Golf, which that's a that's an interesting game. Yeah, that's a nice isometric. Um, the graf, uh, the graphics guy, uh, Carl Cropley, he also did Return of the Golf. He did a bunch of other stuff, but the ones that caught my eye were. Uh, Return of the Gulf. He did John Madden, huh? Kind of wacky, yeah. yeah. And then Chris Elliott did have uh, was involved in the creation of a game which I keep hearing about. We got to try this one, Master Axe: The Genesis of Mister X. <laughs> now I think it's some kind of really bad fighting game. Oh, that sounds like it's but right I, up I have not played it. Um, and Richard Edwards has not done anything else on the Amiga. Now uh, again, I mentioned that Eldridge had one more game. Um, we talked about this, uh, you know, when we were doing the stream, but this game is supposed to have been the first of a series of games. Uh, when you start the game, uh, you create a character and you pick out a lot of different attributes. There's a ton of them in there and your languages you speak and yeah, you know, and it's, it's amazing. <laughs> like you look at the, the manual here and there are, I mean, categories after categories physical skills it's like you're rolling a character in D&D that's yeah. what they wanted it to look like <laughs> they've got evade climb driving handgun pilot ride as far as i can tell as far as we can tell these skills have absolutely no bearing right well on the game from what i was able to find it the these guys had developed something called the timeline computer role playing system <clears throat> This was to be the first game in a series of timeline role-playing game systems. And the and the gimmick was gonna be, you could take your character disc and use it on any of the games in the system. Mm -hmm. There might be another Cthulhu game, there might be an Indiana Jones game, there might be a Fight Aliens game, who knows, but you've got all, I'm gonna go on the assumption that they did all those stats because they thought, okay, we got one shot at, make, at establishing this system We'll get all these stats. We won't use them all in this game. Now, I've, I've read uh, all the walkthroughs of this. Now, me and Boat have played it quite a bit. And the stats, as far as I could tell, uh, at some points, the language stat comes into play if you can read a certain language. But even if you can't, there's usually someone, there's a person there to read it to you. Mm -hmm. you know, and in fact, there is a glossary included in the game that has French, German, and Italian. So you and it's a full glossary. So you possibly could just use this glossary to uh, to translate any puzzles that you might have. Kind of neat. Yeah. Um. So what is the game? Let's go ahead. And, I don't think we fully fleshed it out. Um. The game starts. You're you're a, a fellow uh, in a was it 1923? I think it is. And you uh, go with your buddy to a seance and. Uh, Something happens at the seance, a, a spirit's released, and it's the Hound of Shadow. And, you, and then you begin your investigation. 
this game is totally text-based with the exception of occasionally a picture will appear. Yeah, and uh, at the beginning of the game when you're rolling your stats, that's all done with the mouse and a graphical user interface. You've got a pointer and everything. So it leads you to believe, and it's really a shock, that when you actually start <laughs> playing the game, that it's totally Zork. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, there are some neat aspects of the game. There are some things to make it a little more modern. You can use the function keys to, instead of typing in, like, examine and open and stuff like that, you can use those for a, sort of a quick, a quick uh, uh, you know, shortcut. Um, the, uh, the game, anytime you go somewhere, there, generally there'll be a picture. Uh, we found that when you went to us in, in the city, for example, there'd be pictures of a city block, there'd be pictures of a museum, there'd be pictures of a library, there's a pictures of your house, you know, but... It's not like, unlike, say, a, I don't know, like a Gabriel Knight or something where you're going to go through and pick stuff out of the picture with your mouse. or something. You don't do that on this. It's just, you see a picture. It just is to set the scene in your mind for where you are. That's yeah. all it is. And then it uh, it goes away and you see more text. Mm -hmm. um, I've, <laughs> the, 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 like I said, the, the pickings were slim on this particular on this particular game. The uh, I went to look to see, oh, to watch a walkthrough. There's not one. So I just sat and played it for a while, and then me and Bo attempted to uh, uh, play the whole game here with a walkthrough earlier, and then the copy protection screwed yeah, us. Yeah, we got past the first copy protection screen, but then there was a second one, and we put in exactly what it said because we had the real manual here. Yeah, but... and it, and it, and it once one of the big I guess I guess this is something you see occasionally, but not often is you get two chances. If you don't type in the right thing, it just unceremoniously ends the game mm -hmm. and just boots you back out, and yeah. you're done. So all the work and all the time we spent on it, it's gone. Yeah. And after that happens, we were just kind of fed up mm -hmm. uh, with it. The uh, Let's talk about the actual content. It's pretty good. It's written well. Boat pointed out it's sort of written in a flowery way. Mm -hmm. HP Lovecraft was known as very uh, descriptive. He used a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, as we call them over here, fifty cent words or five dollar yeah, words. The big, the big words. He was really into that kind of creepy, uh, descriptive text. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this game isn't quite that flowery, but we didn't see anything too horrific. I didn't anyway. Yeah, maybe we didn't get far enough in. Well, I got killed once when I played it. And then, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. <clears throat> um, again, Elder's Games had a sequel or a second game. Um, it was called Daughter of Serpents. It was also known as The Scroll. Um, this was not an Amiga game. I didn't look into it that much, but I was intrigued just by the sheer fact that, yes, they'd put out another game. Um, Daughter, Daughter of Serpents was a DOS game. <laughs> I love the description there on your paper. It's a detective slash mystery slash horror puzzle solving Egypt interwar game. That's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> that sums it up fully. The... Uh, um, I looked at some screenshots from it. It seems to be not a text game. It's something else. Good move. Uh, and again, it was a DOS game. I'm guessing it did not do well. I'm guessing this didn't do that well either. Uh, but you know, I, you know, who could tell? Again, numbers may vary. I uh, did look this up on eBay, which is usually a good barometer where, on how well a game sold by having. And believe it or not, there I was actually surprised that there were copies available. To be honest with you. Um, in the U.S., um, uh, you can get a box set right now for between thirty-five and thirty-eight dollars shipped. Uh, if you're overseas, uh, it's a little more hard sailing. You're looking at fourteen bucks just for the discs. Wow! And then forty bucks or best offer for a box version that's out now. Uh, one one sold in June in the U.S. for twenty-six bucks, and in France, one sold in May for twenty-one bucks. So there's not a ton of these out there. I can't imagine there's a big, I don't know, amongst Lovecraft fans, there's probably a hankering for this sort of thing just to kind of get a bunch of the games, but mm -hmm. I can't imagine that there's a big hankering for it. I'm no. trying to think if I ever played a text game on the Amiga. I'm sitting here thinking of anything that was pure text. I think, and I mean, pictures aside, this is a text game. I can't think of any that I've played. It doesn't mean they weren't out you there, know, but I've never played them. 
I feel like with I'm sure that they the, all the all the major games were ported. Like I'm sure there's Zork and Hitchhiker's Guide and stuff. Probably like that. so because it was so simple. But I think if you had an Amiga, if you point down the cash for an Amiga, that was the last thing that you want to play. Well, and that's the problem with this game with me. Um, the content, of course, I'm into, but this is an Amiga, man. Come on, give me something. Mm -hmm. I, this is a game. I'll tell you, a game with no music on the Amiga. That's inexcusable, man. A game with like that kind of sepia tone. The the pictures aren't even color pictures. Yeah. And I mean, I understand maybe they were going for, you know, the pre-war uh, theme of, you know, the no color pictures, but come on. Like you could at least the cityscapes and right. stuff could have been in there. You know what they mm -hmm. have the sepia it, it, it's it screams of laziness to me. Mm -hmm. Now maybe they were just being very artistic, right? No music, that's a fail. Crappy no happening graphics is a fail. I mean, you've got stuff out there that uses a very nice point-and-click interface uh, for your inventory. You could have a combination of text and graphics. At least have a screen up there. I mean, for God's sakes, my Coco had graphics with their uh, text adventures that were there full-time. And mm -hmm. actually did stuff to Coco. Mm -hmm. You know, so this game was a game out of time. Uh, I looked at some of the reviews here, and uh, the game, I mean, actually some people kind of dug it. Um, I, it had some 70, it's stuff in the upper 70s and mid 60s. Now, it got completely panned by Amiga format. They gave it a 45%. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I read that review and they were basically like, hey, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, And they're right. Like we said, no, no graphics, no sound. That's a bummer. You know, so <clears throat> I can only recommend this one if you're really into the kind of Lovecraft thing. I mean, this is not, uh, it's not top-notch writing. It's its pretty good from what I've seen. I've not finished it, but I've, we got, I've got a little further than we, I got about the same as we did on the on the pre-show, about four or five days in. And so unless something incredible happens, it, you know, it wasn't doing it for me. And I'm a fan of the genre. So, but, uh, you know, if you feel froggy and you like those old text adventures, you know, you might want to give it a whirl. I don't know. Would you put this stuff? You, you've played some of that old tech stuff, Amateur Zords. Yeah, I mean, Wizard if, if, if you like it, then you'll like it. If you don't, I mean, the writing's not bad. Um, it's odd. At the beginning, you have to, you type wait six or seven times in a row. I found that you can type pretty much anything. And, and, have, yeah. and so, like, it's. I guess it's very open-ended. Maybe that's a positive way of looking at it. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I just don't have the patience anymore in my advanced age to to play stuff like that. Um, when I was a kid, it was the only game in town. It was more fun, but I, I don't think I'll be revisiting The Hound of Shadow. What would have been awesome is you've got you've taken the time to make a cool character up. I would like to have seen that implemented oh, a lot more. And like, because you can spend a lot of time making your stats and everything like that. It's yeah. a huge part of the, the pregame. And like Boat said, the uh, um, you take all the time to make this guy, and then it really makes no difference. No. And and being, uh, we used to call it a plot wagon when I in the role-playing days, when basically someone drags you towards the main plot, kicking and screwing, that's what this game does at the beginning. You have no choice to matter. Mm -hmm. You just do what it says, it doesn't matter what you type. And I mean, some of the stuff, God, without the walkthrough, it would have been pretty heady oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, your mileage may vary. Hey, if anyone out there solved this game, drop us a line. I'd like to hear what you thought, uh, uh, you know, overall. Uh, because, like I said, we haven't beaten it, and apparently no one on YouTube's beaten it because I looked all over to try to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had a walkthrough and they didn't have one. So, you know, maybe we'll put one up eventually when we're feeling a little more patient. Oh, you know <laughs> what? We forgot to mention that. We played a uh, a huge Cthulhu campaign that lasted years. Yeah, we did, and it was uh, it was great. My brother ran it. You've seen him on the show. Uh, it was some top shelf work, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Boat had a tremendous character in this game, <laughs> the captain. In fact, I'm looking at his little statue over there on the table, <laughs> and uh, it, we had a real good time with our Cthulhu game. If you haven't role played Cthulhu, you should. That's great. Uh, if you're that kind of nerdy type that does RPGs. I wonder how many... Which, you're listening to this show, so yes, you are. I was just wondering if there's... A, <laughs> I wonder if there's a crossover between Amiga and old and role-playing oh, game people. It's it's the same crossover with comic books and wrestling. Because I've been... I've had just, I've had a series in my head 
I was going to compare the Gold Box games to what I was doing the year they released in role playing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, does anyone give a crap about that? People would go crazy. I don't, crazy know. For I don't that. know. They'd love it. They'd love it. I don't know. I can't imagine people. They got surely they had better things to do than role playing. And by the way, Arkadil gets just a couple years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> we haven't done anything since then. Um, so, but I closed the door on that. One. Yeah. So, but thank you, O'Briens. Yeah, we want to thank over. yeah O'Briens Retro and Vintage for donating us uh, this copy of this game. I'm sorry that it took us you know nine months to get around to reviewing it, but it's we funny did. We, were, we were saving it for what were we were saving for, when we get the green screen. Right. Then we were saving it for Halloween and, and yeah. last week, Buck's like, let's do it. I was like, okay. Yeah, because we it was gonna it needed to happen, so we did it. And still, we're gonna and uh, hopefully the next couple of weeks we're gonna watch that awesome movies oh yeah do. i'm looking forward to that absolutely um i'd like to thank the rest of our supporters out there paul harrington lauren Giroux, loggins jonas rullo kilborn barman tapes from the crypt adam bradley chris folds will williams daniel bingston o'brien's retro and vintage chad halstead and brent dowdy um so aaron Oh, and if you'd like to support us, uh, head on over to our page at patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out our blog at Amigos Podcast for all the wacky stuff that um, Dreamcatcher is going to put up there, and Will Williams also. Um, who else should we thank? Uh, we want to thank Paul Kitching for doing this awesome graphic. We haven't mentioned him in a while. Not real. <laughs> as much in case as you were for last was. week, there's big gashes that were... <laughs> forming in it that was good we meant to in. do that um let's see and uh of course we want to thank you for uh liking us on facebook and twitter and all that stuff thanks for listening to the show next week aaron uh i think it's time that we do alien breed did we play alien breed on the breach on the on the we've uh, done an amigo plays play. on it but with with a game like that i think it deserves its own episode all right fair enough also i really like that i like to play it more yeah Sounds good to me. Alien breed. Do alien breed. All right. Until next time. Adios. Adios.